you got your Bibles here uh, today, uh, turn to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 18. This is where we're going to be feeding from this morning. Um, yeah, great to, man, I just so enjoyed worship time this morning. I had this like word for Abby. It was just so awesome. I cried when I gave it to her. It's just about God's love. And I love you, Abby. You're awesome. Um, and you know, during worship, God just wants to speak to us, and He wants to just release love around um, our lives. And so, just so go with it. Just go with it, man. He's so good. Um, okay, so I'm just going to set the scene here uh, with this, and then we're going to go on to do something completely different, then we're going to come back to this. So I've got a bit to do, so I'm just going to go straight for it. So 1 Samuel uh, 18 says, Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the, uh, the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, that was Goliath, uh, women from all over the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. Uh, and this was their song. Uh, Saul has killed the thousands and David has killed tens of thousands. Woo! This made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they credit David uh, with 10,000 and me with only thousands, next I'll be making him their king. So from that time on, uh, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, this is not a good day uh, for Saul, uh, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand and he suddenly hurled it at David intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped him twice. Wow, it's pretty intense. I bet you he didn't see that in the fine print and its contract. Um, so I just want to leave that just to set the scene. And I want to introduce you to this guy uh, called Ken Duncan. And we've got some um, uh, PowerPoint images of what Ken Duncan does. And Ken Duncan is a world-acclaimed photographer. And... Um, I just sort of stumbled across him yesterday, and I'm, I'm just going to read you a little bit about uh, Ken Duncan because he's really, really intriguing. Listen to this. Ken is recognized internationally as a gifted and prolific landscape photographer. Ken still chooses to describe himself as an average photographer with a great God, merely an interpreter of God's creation. The art, he says, is in seeing, capturing, and presenting these images to others. In 2009, Ken was honoured to be awarded a Medal of the Order of Australia by the federal government for his services to landscape photography, publishing and the arts. It's no mean feat. Ken says uh, this, patience is a discipline. And when we learn to be still, the blessings come our way. Once I was shooting in America at... Uh, that big national park that Chris and Ruth went to, what's it called? Yoz, Yosemite. I just could not remember how to say that word. Yosemite National Park. And I waited all day for the light to be what I considered just right. Throughout the day, about five other professional-looking photographers came along. Each one pulled out his mega expensive camera, tripod the works, waited a couple of minutes, went click, click, then left. 
Meanwhile, I was still waiting, 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 and wondering if, in fact, I had missed something. Finally, at the end of the day, when all seemed beyond redemption, the light began to dance, and the scene came alive. I was the only one still there, and I believe I caught the big fish. I hope they enjoyed their sardines. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Man, this guy has got some cred. Um, I love what he says. Uh, He considers himself an average photographer with a great God. And um, I'd encourage you to go and check out his website, actually. I'd like to go and buy a print because he is amazing. Do you know, just bringing that into context um, in our life, there's very little in life that gives instant gratification in our pursuit of God's design and purposes for our lives. Um, Psalm 37, verse 4 to 7. You can stop that now, Tom. That would be great because Lynn's just getting totally engrossed. (laughs) says this, Find your delight in the Lord who gives you your heart desire. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act and make your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. See, we're we're called here. I love this psalm. We're called here to achieve dreams, to have a vision, to capture something amazing uh, within our life. But that precedes something, doesn't it? It says here, find your delight in the Lord. It's as though to find delight is not an instant thing. To find delight is something to be pursued and captured, to, to go after, to seek after, to wait for, to find delight is something to be discovered. You know, God wants us to take time to discover and capture the magnificence of who he is to us. He is magnificent in our lives. He is incredible in our lives. He is wonderful. He is the most amazing person and being that you will ever encounter on this planet. Like He wants you to capture, like Ken Duncan, captured the beauty of creation. He calls us to delight in Him and capture His nature in our heart. I've got goosebumps on goosebumps. You know, realizing the, um, the desires in our heart, seeing the desires in our heart, achieving the desires in our heart, is no doubt that that is a part of the establishment of God's love for our lives. You know, our year is themed, established in love. Receiving God's best and His blessing is a part of what it is to be established in, in, um, in love. His desires, His dreams, His goals, His, uh, His goodness for us. He wants that to be what we have for us. I didn't say that quite right. He desires great things for us, and he hopes that we desire those same great things that he is desiring for us. Because we could be desiring something that is totally not in his heart for us, and he calls us to to delight ourselves and capture who he is to us and he will release desires to us and we can fulfill and walk in that same destiny and promise towards the desires that he has for us. Does that make sense? I want to encourage 
you to never look at achieving dreams and vision outside of the heart that God has for you. Don't go after things that God hasn't got in his heart for you. He wants to walk and bless and be in governance with the dreams that he has for you. You know, if we've come back to this place of delighting and desiring and finding our our joy and presence in him, we will not miss the A plan that God has for our lives because God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a reason. And so when we delight in him, that reason and that purpose unfolds in our lives. Let's not be people who get to the end of our life and go, Oh my gosh, I miss the God dream. I miss the moment. So today I just, I I was aware probably about three weeks ago that God was just speaking to lots of people uh, through dreams, the language of dreams. And I was hearing about, you know, God's calling me to do this and I've got a vision for this. And it's really, really exciting, isn't it? When you get a dream from God and you want to see it come to life and you've got a goal. And, and I, I, so I thought, man, I want to look at David's life and, um, then I just got stuck on this moment that David had with Saul in the, in the palace. And today, I specifically, I want to talk about, because we're talking about capturing our dreams, but I want to talk about uh, breaking free from the insecurity and the comparison, um, just breaking free from, in, sorry, insecurity and comparison, breaking free from that so that we can pursue what God has got for our lives. Um, because like Ken said, you know, he's just an average photographer taking time and making and taking the most of the opportunity. And he, is, he shoots some amazing photography so that people would look at our lives and go, wow, how did, how did God do that with that person? How did God do that with me? How did God do that, you know, with Josh? How, how did that happen in his life? Because God wants to do amazing things in our lives. So when you look back, let's just go back to, to um, Saul That'd be awesome. Thanks, Tom. In uh, in Samuel chapter 18, we see the challenges in his life had become bigger than God's ability to reveal his nature to him. All right? His challenges have been more overwhelming than, um, than what he could understand. And prior to Saul throwing a spear at, at David, um, you could see that Saul was stuck in the mode of self-preservation. When, when you look at what Saul was doing, he had stayed at the palace and he sent an army out to fight Goliath. And the army was filled with the same kind of fear that Saul had. So someone else had to come in and take out Goliath. And that obviously was David. So Saul had lost perspective and his insecurities and his fears had become the loudest voice. Do you know, we're in the, when we are in the mode of self-defense and self-preservation, we're not in the mode of pursuing our vision. Key verse today, verse 8, but Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Matthew 6, verse 22 and 23, it says this, Your eye is a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. When Peter McHugh 
was here, he kept saying the same phrase over and over again that it stuck with me. And he said, guard from loss by keeping your eye upon. And it means this simply, I think, (laughs) to prevent the erosion and loss of what is most important by keeping our eye upon what is most important. Guard from loss by keeping our eye upon. And he, and he said this in the context of what Jesus said uh, to his disciples. A new commandment I give you to love one another just as I have loved you. And that, Peter was saying, was the most important revelation that you could receive in life. That I have loved you. That I have loved you. That Going beyond that is your biggest Uh, insight and revelation in life if you don't focus on that if you don't camp around his love for you then then that will be eroded from your life and so it was really interesting you know to guard from loss by keeping your eye upon keep your eye upon the most important thing in your life and you will preserve that and if that and that is Jesus Christ That is him. That is the revelation of his love. And everything else flows out of that into and through your life. He, um, Saul, Saul, see Saul's eye was off what was truly important. It says that Saul kept a jealous eye on David, on David's success. He kept it. He lingered. He lingered over the bitterness he felt towards David. You know what it's like to feel like, oh, when you see someone and you're like, man, that guy is good. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> I wish I was that good. No one's ever thought that, eh? Hey, it's, just, it's just me. But, you know, you, you, you just hold on to that and, and you find yourself thinking about it and you, find, you can find yourself avoiding that person or, or feeling like smaller around that person. Because when we keep a jealous eye or we keep or we get distracted from what God's calling us to, we lose sight of what is truly, truly important. See, as Saul lingered over this bitterness, the light left his body and he was filled with darkness. And darkness is merely the absence of light. And for him, it was like the absence of vision as well. He lost his vision. I want to tell you, man, the quickest way to lose your vision in life is to to start comparing yourself with someone else, to start comparing your dreams with someone else, to start comparing your talents with someone else. You know, you want to lose vision in life, you just go ahead and do that, man. You're going to be just flat as a pancake in no time. The thing is, when we're in that survival mode of life, and we're like, we just got to make it. We tend to just look around us and watching whatever could threaten um, our safety. And what is a threat becomes an enemy to us, even when we're on the same team. And I've been in plenty of staff environments, and I remember um, even even here at Thrive when I was under Chris and Lynn, and I would just have these feelings of jealousy and like I want to be doing that and I would just like I struggle with that and so I just went and talked with them and said I'm feeling this way I don't know if that was really wise but it was honest anyway (laughs) and and help me understand why this happened and help me and it just disempowered that whole thing around my life which was really awesome 
I have this amazing brother, and I'm sorry if you've heard this um, story before. His name's Duncan. He lives in the UK. And Duncan, if you ever hear this, you're awesome. But we grew up making um, the most of our quarter-acre section. One of my most favorite memories uh, was probably fireworks, poohas, packets of poohas in the sandpit, blowing up little army men and the occasional dead bird. We would just have so much fun with poohas. Anyone? I mean, the... Something's lost now that there's no poo house, but man, it was so cool. We Duncan and I just we were we were great mates, and at the same time, we were just fierce rivals. We were backyard cricket. Every run mattered. Every you know, we played soccer. We played table tennis. We played pool. Everything was a competition uh, between uh, Duncan and I. And unfortunately for me, he's two years younger, and he would just about beat me at everything. I know. Um, and apart from marking the back of the cards when we're playing memory uh, so he could cheat, he would win honestly most of the time. He was just like raw talent, Duncan was. And um, when I would win, I would actually find myself actually um, celebrating more that he lost, you know, than me actually winning. I was like, you lost, you know. I was really excited about that. Ha! Huh. And... Um, I actually became really jealous of him, and it became a little bitter, and we actually, you know, this, and I remember, like I said, I had him in a headlock once, and he headbutted my chin, and I watched a piece of my tooth fly out of my mouth, and, and Dad would get the belt off, and it was like all on, and um, we had this really intense kind of thing going, and um, I remember um, just feeling so jealous towards him, and I just want to say that absolutely nothing good came out of that jealousy that I had towards my brother, only a sense of dissatisfaction with myself. And I remember when I was 22, I had this Holy Spirit conviction, and he was over in Australia, and I just felt I needed to write him a letter and just say, Duncan, I love you, and I just uh, I want to ask for your forgiveness for being so jealous about your awesomeness. And I just blessed him. And so I wrote that letter and apologized, and I just released him from my judgment, and it was like, sweet. Although when I know he's coming back and we're going to play tennis, I do get back into practicing. <laughs> Last time we played, I beat him, just saying. Um, <laughs> he would thrash me now. I know, I haven't played for a while. Anyway, um, you know, uh, comparisons, jealousies, judgments of others must be relinquished before we can gain clarity for God's dream and purposes and design for our lives. It just has to happen. When we get obsessed with other people, when we get obsessed with what others are doing, then we just lose our connection with what God wants to do in our lives. In 1 uh, Peter 2 verse 1, it says, Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. It's pretty black and white. It's like just get rid of it. Lay it down. Because in Hebrews 12, it says, Keep our eye fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's Jesus Christ, not your neighbor, not your brother, not someone else who you're jealous of. Not Keep your eye on Jesus Christ. He's the one. I remember... Um, a few, a few years back, I had this national uh, youth pastor job, and I did a lot of traveling around New Zealand. And I, um, 
wound up um, rooming with a guy who was preaching at an event I was at. And seriously, this guy was the best preacher I've ever heard in my life. He's he's an Australian. He's spoken at large conferences around the world. Everyone was laughing and crying and just... um, he, he just, he had such a powerful gift of preaching on his life. And um, uh, back after the meeting one night, I ended up talking with him. We were just talking about um, people's uniqueness. And, um, and I said to him, you know, something I think that Bill Johnson said. He said, uh, I said, if um, we really understood who God has created us to be as individuals, we would never want to be anyone else. You know, if we really got it, if we really actually realized, man, God has just, you know, fitted me for this, my purpose in life, we would never look at anyone else's and go, I wish I had. I wish, you know, that grass looks so green over there. And I immediately got this pushback from him, and he didn't agree. And he started talking to me about how well his brother off, how well off his brother was, who lived by the beach in Sydney and, and, and. It, it just like took the wind out of that conversation. Um, someone who I actually really esteemed um, and and still do esteem, I um, I thought, man, you've just shrunk yourself there, bro. You've just shrunk in who you are. You're comparing yourself with your brother. I know, I understand that, you know. Um, his gift on his life was really big, but his perspective was out of focus, and he was looking in the wrong direction for affirmation. And it's really, really important in life to receive our affirmation from Jesus Christ, not from people. Like, man, I know it's, we, we want to be encouragers. We want to be each other's best champions and cheerleaders. But at the end of the day, people will never be able to prop you up you know, Jesus Christ, he is the strength and the backbone and the connection that you need uh, for all the affirmation. You know, I mean, there's backbone there, but there's the love of the Father, the Holy Spirit, the companion, the comforter, the, the one who will lead you into all truth. You, no human can do that or fulfill that on your life. When Dad was teaching me actually how to play tennis, he used to say to me, keep your eye on the ball and watch the ball onto the racket. Don't be distracted by what's happening on the other side of the net. And I remember he just used to bend your knees and, you know, it was just like right in there, watch it onto the racket. And uh, learning, and, and he would say, you know, learning to keep your eye on the ball would create the opportunity for the winning shot. Don't look at what the other player's doing, you know, in that moment that you're receiving. You know, look when the ball's down there, but not when it's getting close to you. You know, when you're playing sport, it's, it's really easy to get ahead of yourself, to be distracted by what you want to do before you are ready to do it. Or to be watching the opposition instead of watching the ball. And just like there's distractions in sport, there are so many distractions in life, aren't there? And I just want to say, yeah, today, if you feel like you are prone to distraction or that you have lost your vision because you don't know what you should be focusing on, I want to give you some winning advice from King David. This is AKA the guy who had the, th- the spear thrown at him. He said this in Psalm 16 verse 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand I will not be shaken. 
I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. Do you know, getting out of distraction means gaining a greater perspective of what you really need to be focusing on. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, setting your eyes on him. Like you could be someone who is just overflowing with dreams in this season, overflowing with opportunity in this season. You just see where you want to go and want to do it and you want to achieve it. And that is awesome. But you also need to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. You could be someone who's looking at others going, man, I wish I had the opportunities. I wish I had that breakthrough or that enthusiasm or that life around me like they have. I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ today. With him at your right hand, you will never, ever be shaken. Where you're looking defines how you are stewarding who you are at the moment. Who you are looking at? Who are you watching? Watch Jesus Christ. Watch for him. Watch for him to move in your life. I've just got a few thoughts here on getting free from comparison. And I'm sharing this today because this was a challenge in my life. This is, a, 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 yeah, it really was. I used to compare myself a lot to others. So number one, focus and place your trust on the one who created you and who has the ability to create your best life. And that's Jesus Christ, already said and done. Number two, recognize that comparing yourself to others is a great habit to break. Number three, disengage from an offense because of a judgment you have made. This is a good one because maybe you need to actually do something about this. Maybe you need to write a letter because that can really help disengage with an offense. Do you know, comparison also can be rooted in pride. And pride seeks to inflate itself by being more significant than others. And that's also a great habit to surrender. Like just, you're not going to find your worth in life by being bigger than people. That's just, just not where it is. Number four, get free. If you're comparing yourself with others, you need to be set free from insecurities. Insecurities, this is very, very brief, but insecurities will be generally linked to fear. The fear of rejection or the fear of failure. And I just want to encourage you, if that's something you really feel stuck in, those fears, then talk to a pastor or someone who's on the ministry team or someone who's a trusted leader to help pray with you through that stuff because being stuck in fear is a horrible place to be stuck in. Number five, this is real simple stuff. Realize that everyone is different. We all are. We're all created to be different. The unique you is awesome. You don't have to try and be anyone else. Anyone else. And number six, stop being afraid to be yourself. Just be yourself. Just be who you are. With him at my right hand, I will never be shaken. If you understood who God really created you to be, you'd never want to be anyone else. just want to finish today with um, some closing words from Ken Duncan. Can we just have the band up? That would be awesome. Thanks, team. One of the hardest parts, this is what Ken says, One of the hardest parts of landscape photography is getting out of bed early. 
Yet those who do will be rewarded with some great shots. Be sure to get up for sunrises, even if it's an overcast day, because the sun will break, often break through and give amazing light. Patience will be rewarded, but we need to get out there and put the heart in the hard yards. I believe that there is a force at work which is much bigger than you or I. The key is to tap into the Creator's power rather than your technical understanding, which by comparison is very limited. This is a hard pill for many to swallow, especially techno-heads, because people love to be in control. Personally, I'd rather be out of control. I'm just an average photographer with a great God. I have definitely not perfected this area or relinquished control, but I'm working on it. Wow, it's, it's exciting how small we are and how big he is. Do you know, I think that's a really cool perspective for us to adopt today, that we are small and he is big. We're his, child, we're his children. He is our father. I just want to pray this morning, and we're going to sing a song to finish today. Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now for this moment. We just want to be a church and a people who keep our eye on you. Just where we may be just uh, stuck in a moment of distraction by looking around, looking at others for our affirmation, or just because we're just jealous, Lord. We just surrender that to you in Jesus' name right now. If, you're, if you have been stuck in comparison right now, I just want you just to picture that person in your mind and just hand them over to Jesus. If you're offended at them, just release that offense. If you need to forgive them, just forgive them and now I just want you to just bless them just pray God's blessing over their lives right now just bless them just release your favor over them Lord just bless them thank you Lord if you're feeling today if you are like oh I just highlighted some insecurities in my life then right now as well just hand over those insecurities to Jesus right now Self-worth. Uh, just if you're struggling with self-worth today, just I just release like affirmation over your life. Just the worthiness of you in Jesus Christ. You are worthy and affirmed and loved. Just let his affirmation wash over your life right now. I just break in Jesus' name every spirit of fear on lives today. I just break that right now in Jesus' name. Ha, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that we are a people who get to delight ourselves in you. Just open our hearts. We want to see who you are, God, in a more magnificent way, Lord. We want to capture who you are in our lives beyond any person beyond any dream, Lord. Help us see the bigness of the vision that you have for us. But this is the wonder of who you are as well. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus. Mm.